Hi, this is the Like Dragons Did They Fight audio series. I'm Karen Broadhead, and this is under the direction of Life Changing Services, and I'm here with an amazing mother who knows. She has a son in the Sons of Human program who is now a general and on a mission, and I'll let her tell you more about that, but I've just appreciated getting to know her and appreciated her availability and her insight. Also, the experience she's shared that she's had in her journey with her son, she's been able to look at it in a really objective and genuine way, and the way she expresses it has been so helpful in our Mothers You Know meetings for myself and other mothers who are listening, and so I'm excited for you to meet her and to hear more of her story. So, April, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about you and the things that make you a gal. Just what what kind of things do you like to do and what tell us a little bit about your family and just so we get a picture of who you are. Okay. I'm a return missionary. I went to the Philippines Baguio mission and I spoke Tagalog and I loved every second of my mission. I married my husband right before I graduated from BYU, and we've been married for about 22 and a half years. We have three kids who are awesome. I have an older daughter who is on a mission, and then I have my son who's also on a mission, and then our youngest is 14, and she's home by herself, and she hasn't quite decided if she likes that or not, so it's kind of interesting around our house. I love being outdoors. I love hiking. I love spending time with my family. I love to read. That's something I really enjoy doing. And that's me. That's about it. That's awesome. And so you don't know about April that that we know is that uh, she helps us edit our audio and video presentations that we do for life changing services. And it's created this whole new energy because we're able to use things in such a better way. And so thank you for being that girl. I'm just so glad that you're here doing that. So tell us a little bit more about how you found out that we need some support and now we're looking for resources for our son. Hey, you know, honestly, I was just on my computer one day and some stuff came up that I knew I had not gone to and I thought, oh, my gosh, what is this? And so I started looking a little deeper, and, and I finally had to stop looking because I things would come up that I thought, oh, I don't want to see this either. So um, we figured it was most likely our son, and so I called my husband. My son was at school, and I called my husband, and I said, you know what? You need to come home, and we yeah. need to talk about this, and then we need to ask our son what's going on. And so he did, and we talked, and we actually asked our son to just come on a drive with us and we thought we're going to drive to the church and we're going to talk to him in the car because it's a little less uh confrontational it's just uh, it's just easier in the car I don't know and I think he knew exactly what we were doing and uh we just drove to the church parking lot and just sat and just asked him what was going on and there was anything he needed to tell us and he he did. He told us, yeah, he'd been on uh, stuff on my computer and he had borrowed his sister's iPod 
because he he didn't have access on his phone. He didn't have a smartphone at the time, and we were collecting phones at night. He didn't have an iPod, and so he didn't really have access. And uh, he had been borrowing my youngest daughter's iPod and been looking at stuff there. And then he'd gotten on my computer interestingly enough on a night when my husband and I had gone to the temple and we left him home with our daughter and uh just the timing of that was actually really hard because I thought oh really when we're at the temple (laughs) but anyway so but he was he was very honest with us and very upfront and and he talked to the bishop right away and I was devastated and I thought there's got to be something out there so I just started looking at different things and Somewhere in the course of my research online, I ran across the Life Changing Services website, did a little bit of research on that, and just, you know, went to him and I said, look, I think this is a really good idea. I think you should go to this group and you should join this and we should do this. And he goes, oh, no, mom, I really don't think that's a good idea. And actually, I, I started to cry and I said, no, I really think this is a good idea. I said, look, I've been researching for a while and I've praying about this, and this is what you need to do. And luckily, my son is very kind-hearted, and he he's not one to go against what his parents say. So he didn't really like it, but because I was so passionate about him doing it, he agreed to, to join a group and to do it. Wow. So tell me, what did you do with the shame that you felt? Tell us a little bit about what kind of shame a mom feels when she finds out when we thought we were good, because this happens to so many families, we thought we'd block things, we thought we'd protected things, or, you know, that it happened right under our noses, right in our home, where we thought we were, we were just fine. So what did, what, what did you experience going through that initial kind of things does a mom feel? Because uh, everybody can guess what a wife would feel if that's her husband, but I don't think many people will consider, what does a mom feel like? You know, I think the best way to put it that I learned is you feel like somebody's punched you in the stomach. It's like you thought you'd done everything right, and so initially you feel like somebody's punched you in the stomach, or you start to feel like a failure as a mom. You think, gosh, I, you know, I was doing this, and, and you think, oh, not my kid. It can't be my kid. Because you hear about problems with pornography or you hear about different things, but you never think it's going to be your kids. Because in my head, and I still believe this, I have really good kids. I really do. And we never really had any major problems with our kids. They, they're, they're just good kids. I've been blessed. They're great. And so I thought, how can this possibly be my kid? Because my kid would never do that. He's a great kid. I can't imagine that he would do that. And so I, I was heartbroken. And, and for a long time, I was. And, and every time he would lose a battle or mess up, it was like that feeling all over again, over and over again. And it took me a long time to get to the point where it didn't hurt me every time he lost the battle. Okay. And another thing I wanted to ask you off of that, because... It's so important to understand as a parent, as a mother, because this is something our sons think when we say, we found this group, we think you should go, and they're like, oh, that's really a bad idea. 
because they picture it being a full of really weird guys. I know my son thought, I'm going to be the only normal guy there. Everybody else is going to be really weird and just going to be weird because we're sharing about, you know, really uncomfortable things. But one of the things that I don't think that we recognize, and I might wonder if you could share a little bit more about it, is what you've noticed in being involved with all the other mothers and all of the other sons that you've been able to meet through parent meetings or through editing some of our audio recordings, things like that. It's the same theme. And I think people expect, because my son is this awesome, he's a really good boy. He won't go there. But it's just a theme that almost every young man that comes to life-changing services that I've ever met has something amazing about him that you would never guess that he's that boy with that addiction. Yeah, so my son, I don't I don't think he actually initially thought it was going to be weird. I think he thought it would be weird going to group, but I I knew that it was just young men in the group. And so I was able to tell him it's just young men in the group. And he did an online group because we don't live in the state of Utah. And so I think that made it a little bit easier because he could be in his own room and he didn't have to really see anybody face to face. We were lucky. His initial clinician was Cody. And we actually happened to be in Utah for his initial visit uh, for a funeral, actually. But while we were there, we were able to do the initial visit face to face. And he really liked Cody and that kind of alleviated a lot of his fears. And then he really liked his group going in. But I didn't get involved with a lot of the mothers who know in the mother's healing stuff until probably about eight or nine months into the program. I listened to the recordings, but I wasn't, I wasn't in a place that I felt like I could get on a conference call and show people my face. I remember I got on one time and I put a little sticky note over my camera because I didn't know how to block out the camera. And I thought, oh, I sure hope she doesn't call on me and say my name. And uh, luckily you figured out with a little sticky note on the camera not to call on me. But I, it, but even then I did that one time and I thought, oh, I'm not ready. But I listened to the recordings every single morning as I went walking. And there were lots of them when we started. It took me months and months to listen to every single one. But then I got caught up. And then I was like, and then I was waiting every week. And when the recordings weren't posted on, on like the very next day, I'd be like, where are they? Where are they? I need the next one. So I was at a point that I could finally just say, you know what? I'm okay. I don't have to be embarrassed about this. I'm good. And I want this support and all these other moms are right there with me. And so then I could get to that place. The other thing you asked about is one of the things I, I noticed early on is when I went to a generals meeting is I thought, Oh, those boys are awesome. That's what I want my son to be. Okay, he's got to go because that's what I want him to be right there. That's what that looks like. And my son was young. I mean, well, he was 16. And when he started going to group, he had a problem sooner than that. But he started at 16. But I could see in these other generals what I wanted him to become, the example that I wanted for him. And so that was awesome for me because I thought, wow, if this program does that, we're doing great. Let's, let's put it through. I'm all for it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so, so good. 
Hey, could you tell, we get lots of notes in our Mothers You Know inbox saying it doesn't make any sense that you would have online groups for young men who have addictions with things that involve the computer and the internet. Doesn't that just create more danger for them to go to an online group and have to be on their computer? What would you say to a mom like that? Well, for us, my son doesn't have a computer in his room. So he took my computer and would just, like, I would set it up. Honestly, in the beginning, I didn't quite trust him to actually go to the group. I mean, I knew he was going, but I, I don't, it's hard to say I didn't trust him, but I guess I didn't. So I would set the meeting up and I would, I would cover the camera and I would turn on the group thing and make sure that it was there. And then he would put his headphones in and in his room is downstairs. We have a split level house. So I would set that up and then he would go in his room and shut the door. And then every like, I don't know, 15 minutes, I'd go down and kind of listen in the door just to make sure he was actually talking in a group setting. And I could tell that's what he was doing. And then I would go back upstairs and he never abused that ever. He never didn't get on the meeting he never got off early. He never went anywhere else because he knew that I could check the history on my computer. And I think he w- he was wanting to change. So for me, it was n- it was never a problem. He never abused that. And as soon as the meeting was over, he had to bring the computer right back up. And I watched the clock. I knew exactly what time it was supposed to be over. Awesome. Okay, so you mentioned how um, it took you a while to be ready to come to to get support in the mothers you know, uh, but that you were listening to the recordings. When you finally did show up in person and uh, saw all of those moms there, what was your thinking? You know, it was interesting because I felt like I knew them already. I'd listened to all the recordings, so I knew everybody's name and everybody's voice. And it was kind of like they were my old friends, but they had never met me. I just, but to me, they were my friends. And so I was awesome to put a name to a face. I was like, oh, I know that person and that person. And then I could totally just go through and put names to faces. And it just felt like I was coming to a group of friends. Awesome. What are some of the things in Mothers You Know uh, meetings that have stood out to you that have helped you to assist yourself? to stay in a good place and also assist your son? What are some things that have come out that you thought, oh, I learned that and that was good for me to learn? I think the biggest thing that I learned is that I can't fight his battles, that I have to stay out of them. And I just have to allow him to make mistakes and to learn and grow on his own, that I have to step back and work on myself and I learned through the process that if I work on myself, I don't have to fix him, that the, the Savior is going to do that. That's his job. It's not mine. And and that was the biggest thing for me is to just learn. I can't fight his battles. My son's a wrestler, and it finally clicked with me as he was going through his wrestling season that, you know, he would get out there and he would get on the mat and he would wrestle and he would fight. And all I could do is sit on the sidelines and, and cheer for him and holler. And and uh, one day he even said he was in a really tough match. And he said, Mom, I just need you to, to yell for me as loud as you can. And I was like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> but but mm-hmm. as he went through the program and we related a lot of, of that to his wrestling and his preparing for that, 
in my mind, it was kind of the same thing. I, I couldn't get on the mat with him, but I could cheer and yell as loud as I possibly could. And, and for me, that was life changing to realize, you know what, I'm okay and I don't have to fix this. I don't like to watch him fall, but it's just like a little kid learning to walk. They fall and then they get back up and that's how they learn. And watching him go through the process, it, it was good to come to mothers who know and see mothers who were in a different place than I was. Like I was in the beginning and I could see mothers who were at the end and I could see how far they had come. And I would think, Oh, that's where I want to be someday. And then I could watch my son grow and, and I could see myself growing in the process and just be able to learn along the way. You said, I just had to work on me. What did you do? What does that mean? Work on you. And how could you tell that your son was working on him? What did you see in him that you told you he's working on him? Like him staying in his own bell is working. Me staying over here working on me is working. So how did you work on you? How did you notice your son was working on him? So some of the things I did to work on me is I I have to know exactly what he's doing. Like I, I had to understand the program. So I read, I think I finished the like Dragon's book months before he did. And I read the, the Stephen Kramer book, Putting on the Armor of God. And, and I would highlight stuff and I like March pages and then I would give it to him after I was in. I'm like, oh, you need to read this book. It's so good. And then I just made sure I understood all the terminology so that when he was done with group, I could ask him questions. So he'd come up at night and, and I would say, hey, what did you learn in your class tonight? Now, just as a side note, my husband obviously knew what was going on and was very supportive of the group. But his sisters still do not know what he went to group for. They know he went to a class, and we called it a missionary prep class, which essentially is exactly what it is. And we talked a lot about his missionary prep class and what he was learning. And if he ever had other people at the house when or something came up and he'd have to go to class and they'd ask, we always said he's going to a missionary prep class. And um, so I always asked him about his class and what it was he was learning because I I could understand the concepts because I had learned them myself. So I could ask specific questions like, hey, I noticed you were down in your room in your class and then you ran out the front door. What were you doing in the middle of your class? I'm like, aren't you supposed to be in class? It's like, oh, yeah, mom, we were doing flagpoles or we were doing drills or whatever. And so I could ask him some questions. And then the other thing I did to work on me is I just did the primary answers. I started, I read my scriptures on a more regular basis. And on the days that I didn't listen to the mothers who know recordings, I would listen to conference talks every single morning when I walked. I just became more involved in the things that I was supposed to have been doing all along the way that I kind of got laxed in myself. But I thought, if my son's being asked to do these things, then I should be able to do them right along with them. And if I can't, then at least I could understand why he's still struggling. A couple other things that we did, and this kind of evolved over time a little bit. We didn't do everything in the beginning because he was new and I was new. And But he he was supposed to re- report to me and tell me how, how his progress was and if he was winning or losing. And And at first, he wasn't very good about filling out a power calendar or marking his calendar or whatever. 
we had two books. He had his own manpower book. And then we had another one up in my room on my dresser. And so before he went to bed, he would just go in my room and write in the book. He would write a little happy face or a sad face, whether he won or lost. And then he would write a little note about it. And then, and then he would go to bed and we wouldn't talk about it or anything. He would just go to bed and that would be the end of that. But every night I would go in and look at that. And then I would write a note back to him every single day. And so every night when he came in, he would have a note back for me. And if he won, I'd be like, Oh, that is so awesome. Great. Keep going. You're on a roll. And if he didn't, he would always say, you know, I lost. I, I fought a hard battle, but I lost, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to get back up. And then I could say, you know what? You're right. Get back up. Keep trying. That's what you got to do. And so I was able to support him in a way that worked for him because he, he didn't really want me asking him about it every single day. But I, for me, I, I had to know. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't live without knowing, but I didn't want to pressure him on it. So we came up with a system where it worked for him and it worked for my need to know. Then eventually that, I don't know how we switched over, but eventually we moved to a, a texting system where every night I would just text him, hey, how's it going? And I think this came because summer hit and he was 17 and he was driving and he'd be out a little bit later at night with his friends. So he'd come in at, you know, 11 o'clock at night and then he could, you know, the lights were off. He'd come in and say hello, but then he couldn't really write in the book because it would be late or whatever. So then we just started texting and I would say, Hey, you know, how's it going? How'd you do? And he, it would be exactly the same thing, but it was all through text. And sometimes he was a little bit more open either in the, both in the writing and through the texting back and forth because he didn't have to talk to me face to face, but he was always open about everything. But that, that system worked for us. That is so cool. I think that's a really good thing to notice that when you're supporting someone in a situation where you feel like I kind of feel powerless. It's like I can't be a mother in the same way. I've always been a mother with this area of your life, but I still feel like a mother and I want to know what's going on. I want to know how you're doing and I want to be involved. How can I be involved and support that? I think that's so wonderful. Just the principle of you can't do it exactly the way you've always done it, but there is a way to find a way where both parties can be happy and you can both have the support. You can give the support that you really want to give and know what you want to know, and your son can do it in a way that's most comfortable for him. That's such so glad you brought that up because so many moms, we get stuck in thinking we've always talked like this. Our dynamic has always been like this, and so I'm going to make the way that I do things fit into now this new situation. And in this situation, it doesn't work anymore. And so you, it causes a lot of conflict and a lot of discomfort for both your son and you. Uh, so I love that you said that. I've never heard you bring that up before, and I'm so glad that you said that. So how did you notice that your son was was doing well. What did you notice about him where you're like, okay, I notice he's doing better. Like, can you think of a time where you're like, this is what it looks like when he's not doing so good. This is what it looks like when he was doing good. You know, just in general, he was a lot happier. Like once he started going through the program and he started winning, 
he just in general was a happier kid and he, and he was never like a sad kid, but sometimes he would get moody. So if he was losing battles or whatever, I, I could, you know, by that night I'd be like, I'm betting it's a sad face. And sure enough, if he was moody that day, it would be a sad face. And so I could kind of tell the days when he had lost a battle or he had not toward the end when he uh, graduated, he was in the middle of his wrestling season and he was actually meeting with his clinician one-on-one and I'm not sure if they worked out this system or what, but he was, he related that wrestling winning on the mat with winning outside of the mat too. And his goal was to do really well and win that season. And so his passion project became his wrestling and, and he would work really hard. He wanted to win all of his matches that year. And, and he knew that if he was asking God for that help in his mind, he needed to, to win in every aspect of his life. And then he became really focused, not just on his wrestling, but he came really focused on doing his reading and doing his praying. And I could tell, I, I don't know if he knows this or not, but we had an app on his phone. It was called Screen Time. And it only works on Android phones, but I can see which apps he's on and how long he's on them. And I can also turn certain apps on at night. So I know a lot of people have their kids turn their phones in at night, but he used his phone at night to read his scriptures. I wanted him to read the paper scriptures, but he's not a really good reader. And so he liked to listen while he was reading his scriptures. And so his phone was an easy way to do that. So with this app, I could turn off everything except gospel library. I could leave that on and then I could see how long he was on it. So I could check at night from my phone. I'd be like, oh, look, he read his scriptures for 30 minutes because I could see how long he was on gospel library. And so I kind of would check up on him that way a little bit. But I watched that number increase. So where it used to be five minutes or 10 minutes, it would go up to 15 minutes or 20 minutes or I could see that progress without ever having to ask him about it. And so that was actually really cool to see. And and just in general, he just was a happier kid. And in fact, toward the end, when he was doing well, I finally had to get to the point that I was like, you know what? He's a normal kid and some days he's just going to have a bad day. And I had to literally separate in my mind, this is the normal kid just having a bad day. It has nothing to do with anything else. He's just being a normal kid today because he was doing so well at that part of his life that I had to consciously separate those two. Ah, that, that is so good. That makes me remember something you brought up in Mothers You Know that I appreciated so much that you said to remind us all of, and it was sometimes we need to let them be normal, and we forget to let them do that. Can you tell us a little bit more about your perspective on not just focusing on this problem and how that we tend to do that. Yeah, I think in the beginning, I did that a lot. I was, you know, everything was about this, was about his class, was about winning battles, was about, you know, how are you doing in this? Are you doing your manpower? Are you doing what, you know, whatever? And finally, he just said, Mom, you, you got to just let me do my thing. My whole life isn't about this. I have all these other interests and I have things that I want to do and I have other aspects of my life. This this is not me. This is just something that's not a good thing that I'm working on, but this is not who I am. 
So let me be who I am. And, and that's kind of, you know, where we came up, I think, with the writing back and forth and the texting. So it was separated out a little bit. And then we could focus on the other aspects of his life and not have his whole life be about Sons of Helaman. That is so good. That helps so much. So there's some things that you, that I have appreciated so much about your journey and your experience and that I would love you to share a little bit about some of the things that you appreciated about the process you saw. Cause you know, most of our sons work with an ecclesiastical leader, whether it's state presidents, bishops, or both. And some of those feelings you had about that and then just, yeah, give your perspective on that and some of the things you learned and noticed with the, how your ecclesiastical leaders approached uh, the way that your son was fighting his battles and the things they did. I, th- I thought it was, it was awesome because a lot of times the mothers who attend Mothers Who Know, everybody has such a different experience with their ecclesiastical leaders. But so many things you shared, I thought, wow, that's really healthy and something we don't often hear about. Sure. We, well, first of all, I said it took my son a couple of years to get through the program. So this was kind of a long process for us. And he went through, he actually went through three different bishops in that amount of time just because our ward split and changed in different stuff. But the, the last one he worked with for the majority of the time, when he first met with this particular bishop, he was a brand new bishop and he was, I thought he was really strict because he told my son at the time that he had to, to be clean for a year before he could put in his mission papers. And my son was a senior at this time. And, and he, and he said, you know, he couldn't take the sacrament. He couldn't bless the sacrament. And I thought he was incredibly strict with my son for a long time. And it was a, at least three months while my son was going through all of that. And the whole time I was like, Oh, this is so bad. Oh, this is so hard. And I just kept thinking, this is so hard for him. And and he would be late to church on purpose so that nobody would ask him to bless the sacrament. And and I just kept thinking, this is so hard. But I'm also one that that truly believes that our bishops are inspired. And, and I want to support our bishop. My husband was in the, the bishopric. And I thought, well, we can't even say anything because my husband works with him and whatever. And. So I talked to my husband, he'd be like, you just have to trust, you just have to trust. I'm like, this is so hard, I can't do it. But over the course of that year, things got better, and and my son was able to take the sacrament again, and, you know, whatever. But as it got closer to the time that he was actually graduating, it was about May, and my son actually ended up losing a battle again about the end of May. And I thought, oh, my gosh. It's May and he's graduated from high school and now he can't go on a mission for a year. I thought it's, it's going to be another year. And, and I was devastated. My son never said a word about it. We didn't ever really talk about it. And, and he was probably thinking that, but he never actually said anything. And, and, I, but I just kept thinking, Oh, this is awful. Well, at the same time, I had a state calling and I worked with our state president quite a bit. And when I was issued the state calling, I had told our state president what was going on because he asked what was going on in our household. And we were very upfront and very open with him. And we told him about our son and we told him about the program that he was in. And he said, you know what? That's great. He said, he's going to be fine. He said, I promise you he's going to be okay. 
He said, I just feel like it's going to be okay. And I thought, okay, I hope so. So we just went forward. Okay, well, fast forward about a year when, you know, in May when my son has just graduated and he's lost the battle. And I'm thinking, oh, now he can't go on a mission for a year now. And we're, we're right back to where we were. And, but at this time, our bishop was meeting with my son on a regular basis to help him prepare for his mission. He had been meeting with him since, uh, probably even since February, encouraging him to get his mission papers done and get him together and set a date on those mission papers. And then my son kind of stopped working on him, and, and I and I knew at that point what had happened. And I thought, this is kind of weird. But our bishop kept calling him back in and saying, no, let's work on these, let's work on these. And my son hesitated a little bit, but it was interesting because the answer from our bishop was not the same a year later that it had been initially. In In that time, I got released from my calling. And our stake president, when he talked to me when I was released, he, he's a very kind man. He said, is there anything that I can do for you and your family? And I said, yes, actually there is. And it was about, I think it was probably August at this point. And my son's birthday's in August. He had turned 18 and he'd not been working on his papers for very long. He'd kind of stopped working on them at that time. And he said, is there anything that I can do for you? And I said, you know what, president, yes. If you can talk to my son. I said, he's, he's lost some battles recently. I said, he graduated, he was a general, and then he'd lost a couple of battles. I said, he's just struggling. So I'm not asking you to change anything that our bishop is doing because I fully support our bishop. And honestly, I had been praying over the last, that last year, please help me support our bishop because I, I knew I needed to do that. And I just needed to trust that he was given the power of discernment and that he knew something that I didn't know, that there had to be something. Even though I kept questioning it, I just knew that that's what I had to do. But I asked my stake president, I said, can you just talk to my son? It, I, I'm not asking you to do anything, but just talk to him. And and he said, absolutely. I absolutely will call him in and talk to him. And within a week, my son was was talking and talked to him. And he came home that night and he said, Mom, I'm putting in my mission papers. And I said, you are? That's awesome. He said, yeah. He said, I talked with a state president and he said, I need to get my mission papers in and I need to get them in fast. He said, I need to get them in as soon as possible because I need to get out on my mission. And I said, okay, then let's go. Let's do it. And I had talked to the state president and I said, why are you telling him to put in his mission papers? And I'm thinking, our bishop's going to tell him not to even take sacrament anymore. And our state president said, you know what? There is training, and at this time there had been a lot of the new um, Sabbath day training, and there are some Sabbath day training videos, and there's specific training from Elder Bednar who who encourages everyone to partake of the sacrament on Sunday. And Elder Bednar says in that training, unless your membership is in jeopardy, you should be taking the sacrament. You should repent, and then you should take the sacrament every single week because you need the power from that. And our state president talked about that and trained on that. And he had said to me, even your son needs to be taking the sacrament every single week. He needs that power that he gets from that every single week. And so he started working with him. And and when I asked my state president about it, he said, you know what? I just need to do some more trainings with our bishop. He said, he said, some of them are new. He said, and they're not doing anything wrong. He said, this is on me. I need to train our bishops a little bit better. And so the two of them talked extensively, I know, and and within a month, my son had his mission papers in. 
Within another month, he had his call, and five weeks later, he was gone. So it was really fast. And when uh, my son was actually set apart, our state president said, you know what? I just feel really strongly that you need to be in your mission at this time. Because to be honest, I was a little bit worried because I thought, oh, are you sure? Because we just, we just went through all this. He graduated and then he'd lost a couple of battles and now we're going through this again. And I, in the back of my mind, I kept wondering, are we sure about this? But, but they were absolutely positive that this is where he was supposed to be. And I was able to receive that confirmation for myself that, yeah, this is the right path for him. This is where he needs to be. And it was so quick and so fast. I have no doubt that's exactly where he needed to be. But I, I loved our state president, who was just awesome. And then later talking with my son, we were like, you know, what happened when you went and talked to him? What was the difference? And he said, you know, Mom, he said, he told me I don't have to be perfect to go on a mission. In Doctrine and Covenants 4, it just says, if you desire to serve, you're called to the work. He said, and the state president said, do you have a desire? He goes, absolutely. And the state president said, are you working to be perfect? And he said, yeah, I'm working on it. And then he said, okay, then if you're working on it, then that's good enough for the Lord. You go. Wow. And it's, it's cool to notice that your ecclesiastical leaders, they kind of grew with how your son grew. Uh, you mentioned that previously that your son needed it kind of stripped up front. Now in hindsight that you can see. That, that it was a need for him up front to have it really strict like that. Yeah, so where I thought it was, you know, I was struggling with it, and I thought, oh, this is so awful, and I can't believe all of these things. But looking back on it now that he's out on his mission, and even, you know, when we went getting him ready to go, he needed that, and he did not see it as a bad thing. He knew it was hard, and he said it was hard for him to go through but he needed that kind of strictness at that time so that he, it, it pushed him. It gave him a little bit of extra incentive to do what he needed to do to get through. So where I was looking at it as a horrible thing and, oh, my gosh, this is awful, he never saw it that way. He saw it as something hard, but he didn't see it as, like, a negative thing. He always saw our bishop and our state president in a very loving, kind, arms open kind of a way where I was never able to see that until later on. Awesome. So April, give me an example of how you cheered for your son. You know what? I just found that I just always encouraged him. I was just always positive about it. I was just always like, you know what? You can do this. You got this. You can do it. And I, it was interesting because in the Mothers Who Know class, somebody one time said that they they always signed off with, you know, my my warrior or something like that. And so I would hear different things that different moms would do, and I would try them, and I was like, okay, those just sound cheesy coming from me. They just don't work for me. So eventually we just came up. When I was texting him, he had a thing about a streak. And so I would always ask him, you know, how's your streak going or, you know, stuff like that. So we just kind of came up with our own little phrases and things that worked. And I always just, you know, said, you know, you got this. You can do it. You got it. And I was just always positive in everything that I said. I'll, honestly, to help him, but sometimes just to keep convincing myself that, yep, he's got this. <laughs> What has this experience taught you about 
repentance, the atonement, people, addiction, all that. I think it's taught me to be a lot more compassionate to others and to to not judge. I'm not a really judgmental person, at least I didn't think I was. But sometimes going through this, I thought, gosh, maybe I really am judging people more than than I probably should. So I saw people in a new light, I guess. I saw everybody in their own battles, fighting their own things, doing everybody has their own trials. And looking back, I thought, you know, this is not the road ever I would have picked for myself or for my son. But man, I would not change it for anything at this point. If I had to pick a way to learn something, this isn't what I would have picked. But I don't think him or I could have learned the things that we've learned any other way. I know my son has a huge testimony of the atonement. Whenever he bears his testimony, he talks about that. But I also learned that the atonement is not just about repentance. It's an enabling power. It's a strengthening power. And it was just as much for me as it was for him. Because I needed that strengthening power. I needed to see things in a different light. And I needed to just love him and anybody else right where they are. It didn't matter where they were in their life. I just needed to, to love them exactly where they are and just trust that they were trying and that the Lord was going to make up the difference. So beautiful. So, April, if you, uh, just in closing, if you could say something to another mom, uh, whether it's about, oh, initially when we find out, or protecting your family, or just you, another mom that's just found out this is going on at my house, what's something you would tell her, say to her? I think I would just say, you know what, in the beginning, it's okay to be upset. You're going to be upset, and it's going to hurt, and that's okay. Just go through those emotions because you're kind of grieving the loss of of what you thought your son was, and you're grieving the loss of their innocence. And go through that process, and it's okay. It really is okay. And then when you've gotten through that, get support from other moms. And if you're not ready to face the other mom, just listen to the recordings. There's so much power in that, and there's so many things that you learn that just strengthen you. And turn to the scriptures, turn to the Lord, turn to all those primary answers that we know that they're they're really worth it. I mean, they really make a huge difference. The other thing that I would say is it gets better. It really does. It, it in the beginning it feels like it's so hard, and you think, oh, this is never going to end. And I remember the first time I had called Life Changing Services and asked about it, I think I was bawling on the phone talking to whoever happened to answer. And I said, how long does this take? And they said, well, the average is five months. So at five months, I was like, okay, been five months. And my son is still on day one. Something's going on here. And I was discouraged at that point because I thought, wait, we're taking longer. And and it's okay. I, You know, I would say that. Each boy is going to get to the point where they need to get to in their own time. And whatever time frame that happens to be, that's okay. Just let it take as long as it needs to take and just trust that the Lord's got it. And I think I repeat that self, that to myself and in my prayers every day. I, I pray, I'm like, 
Heavenly Father, you got this? Are you sure? Because he's on a mission right now, and we got to be good. You got this? <laughs> okay, okay, I'm giving this to you. You got this. All right. And I, I still, every day, two years later, every day, I have to tell myself that. But that's okay. I, I just think, I think you have to allow yourself to have the emotions and then step back and say, you know what? It's okay. The Lord really does have this. It's okay. And get to that place and then get support from other people. Call Karen. She'll answer. She'll talk to you. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I'm just really impressed to ask you, tell us about your son. Why do you think he's awesome? He is a really kind-hearted person. He He's one of those people that just really always tries to do what's right, and, and he's very kind toward others. He's always been very respectful, and he really genuinely likes people and wants to help them. He will do anything for you if you ask, and even if you don't ask. He just tries to help other people. He's an incredibly hard worker. He, he just really, really is a hard worker. And that was one of the things I think that eventually helped him to become successful is that he always wanted to work really, really hard at everything that he did. And as he prepared for his mission and I watched him just really laser focus on that manpower, that's when he really got it and it started to really click in his head. I was going to say, Karen, one of the, the big turning points for me is there's a recording and I'm not sure which one it is. I have to go back and find it where you're actually interviewing a general and he talks about going through the program twice and how the second time that metal hardened and became steel. He said, I just became rock solid and was laser focused and I got it. It took, you know, the second time and now I got it. And and I remember having that conversation with my son when he had, had to start over again. I said, you know what? This, this is what it's going to be. This is when you're going to get it. This is when you're going to be rock solid and you're going to get it. And it, and it's true. It happened. That's when he was laser focused and he got it. But he's just a, a nice, nice kid. He just is. And, and I think the Lord has a lot in store for him. I, he's only been out on his mission for a couple of months. And, and in the beginning, he actually struggled a little bit. And he, in fact, he wrote home. He said, Mom, my companion's a little bit lazy and he doesn't get up on time. And what am I supposed to do? He's my trainer. And I was thinking about that one day. And one thing our state president has taught us is you always read the Book of Mormon with a question. You have a question and you read the Book of Mormon. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to try this out. And so I'm reading the Book of Mormon one morning, and I happened to be in the war chapters. And my question was, why is my son got a companion that's lazy? He's a hard worker, and he's supposed to be out there working. And and uh, the answer that I received was in those war chapters. I don't remember which one it is. It's in the 50s somewhere. But it's where they're preparing for battle. And it's where the Nephites are getting ready and they're actually just preparing everything to get ready for battle. And I thought that's what the Lord's doing now is my son has this extra time to study. And in all honesty, he's using his extra time to study and he probably needs that. And then I thought this is just preparing him for the rest of his mission and probably the rest of his life. He's preparing not necessarily for a battle, but it, it probably is a battle of sorts. And he's preparing for the rest of his mission now. And that's what the Lord wants him to be doing. And that's okay. 
Well, thank you so much, April. Is there anything else that you'd like to say before we close? I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you and your son. I actually said to your son one time, I'm trying to think how old my youngest daughter will be when you get home from your mission. Because <laughs> I thought, you are such an incredible young man, and you make me feel so safe. I would love someone like you to marry my daughter. So I was teasing him, saying, you know, how old are you going to be when, when my daughter, how old will my daughter be when you get home from your mission? Actually, I'll tell you what's really funny. When you said that to him, he came home and he told me that. But he was very flattered by that. So cute. So fun. All right. Well, is there anything last minute thing you want to say? You good? You know, I would just like to, to say that I don't think anybody wants this for their kids. Obviously, it isn't something that we want. But I think that what I've learned is that the Lord can take the things that are maybe struggles for us and turn them into great things. He can use all of our weaknesses and all of our things that we're working on and really make them into good things. And actually I would like to leave with a scripture and it's one that everybody's heard of before. We quoted a lot in church. It's the ether 1227 on Christ giving us weaknesses. But the part that I really like at the end is a part that's often quoted where a lot of people say, um, talk about the scripture and they say that Christ can make weaknesses into strength. But the scripture says at the very end, it says, then will I make weak things become strong. And I thought, we are the weak things. The Lord can take us as weak things and make us strong. And this journey has made my son incredibly strong. And it's made me stronger. It's made my husband stronger. And I think just because we've implemented the gospel principles more in our lives, it's made our family stronger. And what a great thing that the Lord is able to do that in our lives. Take something that's so ugly, basically, but turn it into something beautiful so that we all can become stronger with it. And that I wouldn't, I wouldn't change for anything. Amen.